Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about our live stream church services, the Walk in Truth podcast, how to donate, and how to find us on social media when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians chapter 3, verses 15 through 22, called, Is the Law Contrary to the Promises of God? Laws can, can quell some wrongdoing, the threat of an officer pulling you over, or jail time, or even worse, can quell some of it, but laws can't change our behavior from the inside. They can't transform us. We need something else to happen. And the law came later, and I just put this in my notes. Imagine for a moment if your salvation depended on human obedience. Just imagine that. You'll make it if you keep the Ten Commandments and everything the Ten Commandments means. How many of us are in deep trouble? See, we're not going to make it. John Bunyan said, Run, John, run, the law commands, but gives us neither feet nor hands. For better news the gospel brings It bids us fly and gives us wings. Amen? See, once the living Lord is living inside of me, He's doing the changing. And now I deeply desire His law in my inward man. See, I want to please Him. I want to honor Him because He's given me new desires and new passions. If the inheritance 18 is based on law, it's no longer based on a promise. You could just write down, it's either one or the other. But God has granted, this is the idea of to give graciously. It's the root idea of the word grace. God has granted it to Abraham by means of a promise. When Abraham first believed the Lord in Genesis 15, no performance, it was wholly on God alone. If the promise is not fully dependent upon God, then it's not a promise to which one can be assured. And that's why so many people lack assurance of salvation. How many of you remember the little navigator's books back in the day? And there was a little train diagram. And, and it basically said this. If you're a new believer, you have to base your faith upon fact. Fact needs to drive the train, not feelings. Because if your feelings drive the train, the, your feelings have to be the caboose. If your feelings drive the train, you're never going to have assurance of salvation because you're always going to think that your salvation depends on your performance. And when you have a good day, you'll think, I'm good with God. And you have a bad day, then you'll think, "Uh uh-oh, I'm in trouble. I'm saved, I'm not saved. saved. He loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. But that's not God. Now some of you are tracking with this, and here's the question then why the law? If it's all based upon a promise and the law essentially puts you under a curse if you try to earn salvation through the law, then why did God give the law anyway? This may shock you, but look at verse 19. It, the law, was added because of transgressions having been ordained through angels by the agency of a mediator. Note this in your Bible. Until what? The seed should come to whom the promise had been made. Remember, the seed there is Christ. It was added, and here's how you could render this language, by God, a divine passive. This is from one commentator. He says, 
for the sake of transgressions, which means that God gave the law to increase transgression, close quote. God gave the law so that sin could be seen for what sin actually is. What? Paul said in Romans 7, 7, I would have not known what coveting was unless the law said don't covet. <laughs> you ever realized, you know, in a single moment watching like uh, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, how many laws you break? <laughs> oh, I'm not coveting that home or am I? <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't want that red sports car. Well, maybe for one afternoon. That's not coveting. Isn't that like partial coveting? I just want a taste of that. I just want to see what would happen if I had all that money and won the lottery. If those people with the balloon showed up to my door. Anybody out there? <laughs> but I'm good. <laughs> Romans 5.20 says, the law came in that the transgression might increase. But where sin increased, grace, what? Abounded all the more. God added the law so people could see how sinful they actually are. That's why it was added. And that's why sometimes when you are sharing the gospel, you have to remember something Ray Comfort said. You give law to the proud and grace to the humble. All right? You're sharing the gospel and somebody says, oh, I don't need that. Good for you. You know, you were messed up. You needed that Christian stuff, but I don't need that. One time I was outside a racquetball court and I was witnessing to a, a gentleman and he was a good man and he had a very important position in law. And uh, I asked him if he had a relationship with Jesus and he said, I don't think I, I need that. He said, I have been faithful to my wife. I don't abuse drugs or alcohol. I pay my bills. I'm, I have a white picket fence, 2.5 kids and a dog named Spot. You know, all that stuff. And plus, he said, I work in the legal realm and I watch all these people. They come into my, he oversaw a jail, a prison. And they come in and they say they're converted and they have a Bible and then they're, they get out and then they're right back in my prison and I, I'm not sure I buy it. I'm not sure I believe it. I'm not sure I need it. And I said, let me ask you a question. Do you think you've kept the Ten Commandments? Ah, I think I've been a pretty good guy. Well, let's go through a couple of them. I said, have you ever told a lie? You ever lusted for someone that's not your spouse? You ever coveted stuff that didn't belong to you? You ever hated someone in your heart? Start going through them. All of a sudden, the light went from the prison house to his life. And he, he said these words to me. He said, you know what? I was so busy looking at everybody that I thought was a phony and whatever. He said, I, I used that as an excuse not to look at my own life. He realized he had broken God's law. And he was very familiar with law and what comes with that. Now, he didn't become a Christian at that moment, but I know he was thinking about his position before God. See, no longer did he hang his hat on his own self-righteousness because a lot of people say, well, I'm not as bad as that person, so I'm good, right? No. Well, I'm not as bad as my neighbor who claims that they go to that church. <laughs> and you may be right, but you're still not good enough to inherit eternal life. One writer says, for those of us addicted to seeking life in the law, this passage provides sweet medicine 
Laws can curb sin, but can't cure hearts. If we want to see something powerful happen in this nation, we got to pray for a heart change. Amen? we got to pray that the Spirit of the living God is doing the work. Now this law, uh, and we'll have to move quickly here, its inferiority to the promise is shown by how it was given. If you look at Galatians 3, it was given, notice, through angels by the agency of a mediator. Here, the mediator is Moses. He was the go-between between God and the people. And angels were present when the law was given. Here's a couple passages for those of you who are interested in how this happened. Deuteronomy 33, verse uh, 1 and 2 says, Now this is the blessing with which Moses, the man of God, blessed the sons of Israel before his death. He said, The Lord came from Sinai and dawned on them from Seir. He shone forth from Mount Paran. He came from the midst of 10,000 holy ones. At his right hand, there was flashing lightning for them. Psalm 68, 17 says, The chariots of God are myriads, thousands upon thousands. The Lord is among them at Sinai in holiness. Myriads of chariots probably speaks of the heavenly hosts here. And so here's what it seems to say. And this is based on other uh, uh, Jewish writings outside the Bible. When God gave the law, there are all these angels there. And when Moses was up on the mountain, and it's kind of like the angels handed off the law, and this is just the way it's pictured. And then Moses took the law as a mediator and brought it down to the people. But when the promise was made to Abraham, by contrast, it was God directly dealing with Abraham and walking through the animal parts. Think of the contrast. In Genesis 15, you have God doing this covenant thing with Abraham. In uh, Exodus, when he gives the law, it's smoke and fire and power and threats. Don't let anybody cross through the boundaries or they're dead. It's the law. And in Hebrews 12, the writer of Hebrews says, you can either face the God of Sinai on Judgment Day or the God of Grace. Which would you choose? I know which one I'm choosing. I don't want to go to Sinai, baby. I want to go to the foot of the cross, the empty tomb, the, the promised Messiah. Now, a mediator is not for one party only, whereas God is only one. Now we have an incredible mediator, the seed, Jesus. There's one God and one mediator between God and man, that is the man, Christ Jesus, 1 Timothy 2.5. Now the go-between is the one who paid the price. He's the ultimate mediator. And so we conclude, is the law then contrary to the promises of God? May it never be. For if a law had been given which was able to impart life, then righteousness would indeed have ba been based on law. If God could have given a law, because the law does reflect his heart, which could save people, then righteousness would have come by law. But God knows we don't keep the law. So it has to come based upon a promise. Why the law then? You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
Life on the go can make it difficult to catch up on your study in the Bible. If you think about it, Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance is here for you kind of like a daily supplement to help your spiritual growth. You can listen to Walk in Truth whenever you want because it's on podcast too. Subscribe to Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. For example, if you have an iPhone, we're on your iPodcast app already on your phone. Walk in Truth is also on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. So listen on your hike, during your drive, or while you're getting work done at a coffee shop. Basically, listen whenever you want. Subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California, the church behind Walk in Truth, where Michael Lance serves as senior pastor, must resort to live streaming their Wednesday night and Sunday morning services. If your church isn't able to live stream their service, we invite you to fellowship with us from the comfort of your home during this unfortunate time. Visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. If God could have given a law, because the law does reflect his heart, which could save people, then righteousness would have come by law, but God knows we don't keep the law, so it has to come based upon a promise. Why the law then? Well, the law is complementary to the gospel in the sense that it shows our need. The law has a different function. This is a key word for those of you who are working through this theologically. The law has a different function than the promise. But they're not contradictory or contrary. They're complementary. The law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ. Paul says, man, once I realized, Romans 7, how deep the law was, that which I thought would bring me life actually killed me. You ever come to that realization before? Nobody's getting in by being good enough. And then pause for a second and step back and ask yourself, how many people are banking on getting into heaven by being good enough? We've got to tell them the truth, folks. Because Hollywood theology and the popular movements of the day are based on performance and karma and good works outweighing your bad works. And there's so many people that are going to be so shocked on the day of judgment when they meet this holy God who the Bible says is a consuming fire. And Paul says, to submit to circumcision, Gentiles, and the food laws is to turn back the clock on salvation history and not realize that the law has been fulfilled and that Christ is the end, of right, uh, the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. But the Scripture, if we study our Bibles, here's what we're going to find, 22, final verse. The Scripture has shut up all men under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who do what? Who believe. The scripture has declared the whole world to be prisoners in subjection to sin. The whole of the Bible makes this argument. The scripture as a whole. All people are prisoners to their sin and its consequences. The idea of being imprisoned here is plain, right? Shut behind iron doors, but here the Greek word actually means fish crammed in a net. You ever realize that before? 
And your sin can take you so far that you end up crammed in a net. And the Hebrew word for sin is quite interesting. It's kata, C-H-A-T-A. And it, here's the word picture. It means that when someone sins and keeps sinning, they build their own prison brick by brick. And the Hebrew word kata means every time you sin, you put another brick, another brick in the wall, another brick in the wall, until your sin becomes your own prison. Wow. Have you ever, do you know somebody there? You've watched them do this for years and they're in their own self-created prison. Maybe that's you. And you say, well, how do you get out? Who could open the prison doors and make me free? If the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. If He opens the door, if you say, oh, Lord God, I've sinned against you. My sin has crammed me into the net. I feel imprisoned by it, but I want to be free. Oh, Jesus, thank you for dying on that cross for me. Thank you for your awesome promises. Save me, Lord. Open the prison door. Brethren, and I know so many of you have done this, you will be free. Free. Not to think you're saved by human performance, but by the blood of Christ. So what's the point? The promises that God has made to you are true. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on out, and I'm going to ask you to just be really thinking about things that were shared and whether or not you know the Lord. Have you run to him for your salvation? Do you know that you know that you know if you stood before God tonight, you, you would say, Lord, the only reason that I should be led into your kingdom is because I trusted in your perfect son. Thank you for sending him. See, this is salvation. Some of the most moving songs of praise are often birthed from times of despair. Such was the case with the song, Shout to the Lord. While going through a difficult time and, a, and in desperate need of the peace of God, Darlene Check sat down at her old piano, the same one she had since she was five years old. She turned to Psalm 96. Without setting out to do so, she penned one of the church's most well-known praise songs in about 20 minutes. Though she had been writing songs since her teens, Darlene never considered herself a songwriter. It was with trepidation that she shared the song with her church. But the response was immediate and the song quickly traveled around the globe, giving believers new words to express their hearts to God. Darlene was so fearful to play the song for her pastor, she finally asked the leadership of the church to turn around so she could try to play it because she had to start and stop and start and stop multiple times. Finally, she said, don't look at me. And she played it and she didn't think anybody was going to like it. And everybody was blown away in the words, my Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. My comfort and my shelter, tower of refuge and strength, let every breath and all that I am never cease to worship you. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. Power and majesty, praise to the king. Mountains bow down and seas will roar at the sound of your name. I sing for joy at the work of your hands. Forever I'll love you, forever I'll stand. Nothing compares to the promise 
I have in you. Father, we are grateful for this everlasting gospel. And I pray over your people that you would help us to become more free today. More free to serve you. More free not to sin. More free to proclaim and live this everlasting gospel. More free to have consistent hope. More free to break the chains of old sin patterns. More free to have assurance and to be those who keep our promises. More free to be like you. And if you're not a Christian today, you might just want to pray right now. And It's not a might. Pray right now. Jesus, save me. Set me free. Make me your own. Please pray it if it's you. If you don't know, if you know him, Jesus, save me. Thank you for this glorious gospel. Thank you for doing for me what I could not do. Thank you for living your perfect life, for dying and taking that curse from me, for rising and defeating my mortal enemy, death. Make me your child. Set me free in every sense of that word. In Jesus' name. You've been listening to Is the Law Contrary to the Promises of God? Part 3 on Walk in Truth. That was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 3, verses 15 through 22. And remember, if you missed any part of today's program or part 1 or 2 of this series, you can listen on walkintruth.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, just so you know, Pastor Michael is the senior pastor of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. And you're invited to attend our Wednesday night service and or our Sunday morning service, which is live streamed on YouTube. Join Pastor Michael in the Living Truth Christian Fellowship family in worship and for an inspiring teaching from Pastor Michael. You can find Living Truth Christian Fellowship on YouTube by going to walkintruth.com. And Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team would love it if you joined us. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, the law is not contrary to the promises of God. If God could have made a law that would impart life, he would have done it. But we can't keep the law. That's our problem. The law is holy and good. The law is not the problem. We are the problem. It's right here in our hearts. And if you want to know what is going to fix the problem in the church in America, just kind of pound maybe a little bit in that chest area and say, it's my heart. Not your physical beating organ. We know that. The heart in Hebrew and Greek thought, and especially in Hebrew thought, is the center of who you are. The place from which you make decisions, the center of your mind, will, emotions, intellect, that's your heart. And look, the, the law exposes the heart problem and drives us to Jesus. So if you've been looking at yourself and maybe you lately, you know, you hear about the law, you hear about the gospel, and maybe you're just a little down on yourself. Maybe you're a little bit disappointed. Maybe you have failed recently. Maybe you're a person who was a leader and you stumbled. You're not the only one. You know, David stumbled badly. Many of our heroes of the faith, including Abraham, not a perfect record, but believed in a God who was faithful to his promises. And a God in Hebrews 11, when he celebrates the great characters of faith in our Bibles, they don't talk about their failures. They talk about their triumphs by faith, by faith, by faith. And so that's important to hold on to. 
Now, we're coming to a message called Heirs According to His Promise. We're going to talk about what it means to be a son of God, a daughter of the king, adopted into God's family, fellow heirs, co-heirs with Christ. Oh, that's ahead, and it's going to be good. And so stay tuned for the programs ahead here on Walk in Truth. Now, we're coming into the weekend, and we'd love to invite you to our Sunday morning service where I pastor a church called Living Truth Christian Fellowship. The church supports this radio ministry. It's a great group of people. We meet 9 and 11, 15 a.m. in the city of Corona. So if you're anywhere close and you'd like to come and check it out, go to walkintruth.com, click on the church tab, and you can get info and directions. If you'd like to join us via the live stream, we live stream the 9 a.m. service. So you're getting it live. The worship is live. The teaching is live. And uh, we would love to have you come and join us and be part of that live stream family. And you can even let us know on the chat, hey, I'm listening over here and I heard the radio broadcast on this station. We would love uh, to know that you've joined us and love to know that you're on board and worshiping with us in spirit and in truth. So God bless you. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Have a wonderful weekend. Make sure you're in church on Sunday somewhere or checking out a live stream and worshiping that way on Sunday. And we'll see you, Lord willing, on Monday. God bless. And before we go, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. Your $5 donation helps us broadcast on radio, provide the podcast, and do our free apologetic events. It's all part of our mission to equip you with the truth in the Bible and how it applies to today's issues, trends, and culture. So please give your donation at walkintruth.com. And a special thanks to everyone who's been giving that $5 and sometimes more in the past few months. You're a blessing to the show. And join us on Monday for Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians chapter 3, verses 23 through 29, called Heirs According to the Promise. I'm Mike Massaro. Have a fantastic weekend, and thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.